On today's episode of Locked On Oilers, a gutsy win by the Edmonton Oilers, and how they did it was getting some strength from their weaknesses. We will talk about that and much more on today's episode of Locked On Oilers. Your Locked On Oilers, your daily podcast on the Edmonton Oilers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Oilers podcast. I'm your host and former Oilers game day producer, Brett Holden. As mentioned on today's episode, we're going to go over that big win for the Edmonton Oilers over the Tampa Bay Lightning, as we will discuss that in just a second. But also, we are going to discuss Evan Bouchard's performance so far this year. And I'll be honest, I haven't been very impressed. We'll talk about that in just a bit. But also on today's episode, as always, after every Oilers game day, we will go through the good, the bad, and the ugly from the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Thank you so much for making Locked On Oilers your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you find your podcast. Alrighty, let's get into it as the Edmonton Oilers win a massive game in Tampa 3-2, to two. the last time they did that, Mike Smith was the goaltender for, not the Oilers, but for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The goalie for the Oilers in that game, well, maybe you'll remember this name, Jeff Durandelaurier. Ah, dark times. Oh yeah, <laughs> speaking of dark times, Zach Sortini scored the game-winning goal in that one, so... You could tell the state of the Oilers at that time. I wouldn't be surprised if J.F. Jacques got on the score sheet. Anyways, uh, speaking of uh, depth scoring, Warren Fogle gets his first goal in 31 games in the uh, game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And Warren Fogle played super well in that game. A real coming out game for him this season. First goal this season for him. He was out on the ice in, in critical times. The Edmonton Oilers trusted him on, well, Jay Woodcroft more specifically, uh, trusted him on the penalty kill, got that shorthanded goal, and then immediately put him right back out on the next penalty kill. And was noticeable. Got another break. Warren Fogle. Had the best game of his, I don't want to say Oilers career yet, but the best game of his season so far. And to to put the little bow on the, the, the gift here, he got the block at the end of the game. He was trusted to be out there with 20 seconds left in a one-goal game. First of all, he iced it, which I'm not saying was a bad thing. He was going for his second goal of the game. Brand new line, so that line wasn't exactly tired, other than maybe Connor McDavid, but Connor McDavid's Connor McDavid, so we all know he's not tired. But Warren Fogle goes out there with 20 seconds left against the two time Stanley Cup champions, the only team since the Edmonton Oilers of the 80s to go to the Stanley Cup final three years in a row. And Warren Fogle gets the game winning block or game clinching block on Victor Hedman, gets it out, and wins the game. Oh, and by the way, four hits for him, including a massive hit on, on Victor Hedman, massive hit on, uh, I believe it was Kepke as well. 
maybe aside from Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Jack Campbell, I guess, maybe. Warren Fogle is the best Edmonton Oiler on the ice. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Uh, speaking of uh, good Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid scoring a goal and an assist in the game. Two points on the night. 14 goals on the season for Connor McDavid. Leading the league in goals. Hmm. Weird. I thought everybody thought that 34 guy was going to lead the league in goals. Mm. Weird. Anyways, uh, yes, 14 goals, a goal per game for Connor McDavid. Really helped lead the Edmonton Oilers in that game, especially after they lost Evander Kane. We will talk about Kane's injury a little later on in today's episode, but all the best to Evander Kane. A very scary incident, a very scary a scene for everybody involved. Hoping the best for him, but again, we will talk about that a little later on, a little bit more. But again, he stepped up. He was on the penalty kill at points. Uh, he was on the ice in the last minute, as he always is, but on the ice for the entire last minute of the game. Killed that game off with the Edmonton Oilers, and I, I'm getting tired of hearing everybody say Connor McDavid isn't a two-way forward. He can be. He can play in his own end. And he plays in his own end in very important times in the game. Just like that. Uh, Jack Campbell. I took way too long to get to Jack Campbell today as he put up 35 saves against those uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, many people have said, including Jay Woodcroft, said it was his best game as an Oiler would probably agree other than that game against St. Louis, as people have pointed out as well. Uh, only allowed one goal in that game, and you can't really blame him on it. So, uh, a good game for Campbell, a game that he really desperately needed. And again, 15 saves in the first period, 12 in the third period, and 12 big saves in that third period. Saves that he needed to make, and he did. Um, interestingly enough... In that last minute, though, no Darnell Nurse, which was interesting to me. I didn't think he had his best game either. But Jay Woodcroft has made a emphasis or point of emphasis, maybe not necessarily a point of emphasis, but he said one of the things that he really focused on when coming to the Oilers was taking away a little bit of that ice time from Darnell Nurse. Not that he didn't deserve that ice time, but to kind of reserve his fuel a little bit. Coming off a difficult injury with that torn hip flexor, yes. The Edmonton Oilers are up 3-2 in the last minute against two-time Stanley Cup winners. The only team since the Oilers in the 80s to go to the Stanley Cup three times. And your $9 million man isn't on the ice. Interesting. I'm not saying one way or the other how I feel about it. Because I don't know how to feel about it yet. Was he injured? Maybe. Was that a wake-up call? Maybe. I'm okay with either. Well, I'm not okay with an injury, but... You know what I'm saying. But maybe something to watch out for for the Edmonton Oilers. Next game against the Carolina Hurricanes on Thursday to see his uh, gameplay. Now, again, we mentioned Evander Kane did go down with a scary-looking wrist injury, uh, got cut by uh, uh, Pat Maroon. 
was able to get to hospital in stable condition. He will be okay. He is going to have surgery on it. I presume tonight or I presume in Tampa Bay. I'm not sure yet on that timeline, but he is getting photos on it. Just making sure seeing if there's any extracurricular damage to possibly some tendons to the artery to whatever it may be. Hopefully not nerves as well. So we'll wait and see. We'll find out more as more comes out. But uh, a scary situation for Evander Kane. But that did mean the Edmonton Oilers went 10-7 down in that game. They did play the game 11-7. But Kyler Yamamoto stepped up, was the player that they needed him to be at times. Not necessarily saying, hey, a great big shout-out to Yesapuli RV2. A shame that he didn't get rewarded with the goal because he had probably his best game of the season against the May other than the Nashville game. But um, Kyler Yamamoto getting 15 minutes and uh, 52 seconds on the ice for the Oilers. A vast difference, a major difference from his six minutes 49 seconds against the Washington Capitals. And he he played well. He, he won some battles that he needed to win. Very effective in his own end. And massive hits sometimes, too. Uh, got into a little bit of a, a scrum with Ross Colton. Uh, surprised that Colton didn't get a, uh, a penalty there either. But good for him. Now. Evander Kane's injured. Expecting call-ups to happen. Not sure who it will be. Tom Gazzola mentioned Clem Costin, which I'd be surprised by, considering how Coach Chalk talked about him on Oilers Now this weekend. Did say that there is something to the player, but didn't have a great weekend this past weekend. But you will see players get called up. You also have to remember Tyler Benson is skating with the team, so I'm sure he'll be back soon. And Dylan Holloway still on the team. You may have forgot, actually. You may have forgot because he played five minutes and 43 seconds against the Tampa Bay Lightning. After the fact, Evander Kane got injured. After the fact that you went down 10 to 10 forwards. Dylan Holloway still played five minutes and 43 seconds of game time. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say anymore. I, I don't know what to say anymore. He, he, he wasn't going to be on the Oilers if he wasn't playing. He's not playing. He's still with the Oilers. Uh, it's not like he has uh, Junior's eligibility like a Shane Wright. So why is he still here? That's an argument for a different time, genuinely. But uh, I, I, I looked at that time and was very upset by it. But uh, let's move on. Let's move on because uh, I have a bone to pick, another bone to pick. I'm going to save that energy. For uh, Evan Bouchard, as I don't think he has had a very fantastic start to the season. We will talk about him in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. 
Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, they've got it all at Bet Online. Plus, I, I'm pretty sure you can bet on like the Canadian Premier League too, like the CPL, which I, I'm pretty sure they have their final coming up this weekend. So maybe something to take a look at. And if you're into sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked On Oilers your first listen today. Now for your second listen, make sure you tune in to Game to Game NHL. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NHL, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you find your podcasts. Alrighty, as I reach over for my notes, I'm I'm watching my notes because they've fallen a couple times while I've been setting up, so I'm just hoping that doesn't fall. But uh, let's head over to uh, Evan Bouchard as hasn't had the best season so far for the Edmonton Oilers. Two assists for Bouchard this season. And I'm trying to decide whether or not I should be harsh. As harsh as I should be. Should be, not could be. Or if I should let him off the hook. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I have been far from impressed by what Evan Bouchard has done. He has been pushed around. He has been looked a fool at times, not only by the, the opposition, but by himself. He has been caught out of position. He has made dumb plays with the puck. He, he, he hasn't shot the puck. He misses the puck. Takes stupid penalties. And that's the eighth thing I've, I've pulled off before I've gotten to a positive thing. I'll tell you what, the one positive thing that Evan Bouchard has done, and I was going to wait till the end to mention this to kind of wrap it up, but the one good thing Evan Bouchard has done this season has upped his physicality. He's been more tough. He's been more physical. He's been willing to jaw at the other players, the star players, and get into scrums. And I'll give him all the power to that. That was something that I didn't really see in his game for a long time, and I didn't imagine I would see it out of his game. But that's it. That's the only bit of development, of maturity, I have seen from Evan Bouchard. As mentioned, he has two assists on the season. For a player who is supposed to be the next heir of the Edmonton Oilers power play quarterback. Let's be real. Tyson Berry is getting traded at some point. He has a favorable contract to be moved and a contract that the Edmonton Oilers wouldn't mind moving if they're going to be getting a player like John Klingberg, uh, Jacob Chikrin, a Jonathan Tavares, or Jonathan Tavares, a Jonathan Taze, excuse me, or a Patrick Kane. But if he is moved, or when he is moved, 
Is Evan Bouchard ready for that power play role? Every time I've seen him with the puck in his own end, or in the offensive end, excuse me, he hasn't looked ready. Holds on to the puck too long, turns it over and takes a dumb penalty going the other way that ends up costing the Oilers the game. Yes, that is a very specific call. And yes, that was against Washington just last night. All on Monday. He also doesn't shoot the puck. Then when he does get the puck on a three-on-one the other way, he either whiffs it or, or, or passes it to a player who expects him to shoot and is not ready for the puck to come back to him. He, he, he's not ready. And you're not going to put Darnell Nurse there. Maybe if you're trading for a defenseman like a John Klingberg or a, a Jacob Chikrin, sure, maybe you can put them there, but... Evan Bouchard was expected to be that guy. And in every sense of, not necessarily the term, but in every single way, he's just not been ready. He's constantly, again, and this is uh, maybe a byproduct of all this, but he has no confidence whatsoever. He, he, he's tentative with the puck. He's tentative when he's on the ice. And you know what? He is severely missing. Severely missing. Duncan Keith. And I think a lot of people will agree with that. Now I think a lot of people will sit there and go, and not only because of Evan Bouchard, but because of the defensive setup in general. The Edmonton Oilers have a next to no defensive organization whatsoever they're running around at one point I watched Connor McDavid be the guy in front of Jack Campbell because Evan Bouchard is chasing a guy at the blue line and Marcus Niemelainen's busy taking off the biggest guy on the ice trying to make sure he doesn't get to the front of the net so Connor McDavid is the deepest oiler other than Jack Campbell that's shouldn't be happening Evan Bouchard needs to read that play. You have three other guys who are sitting there going, okay, I'll take this guy instead of you. Now you leave a guy wide open on the wing. Connor McDavid isn't going to block a shot. He may look like he's going to, but he's not. And if he is, and if you want him to, you're just as crazy. But Evan Bouchard has left uh, so many people open. Followed the wrong guy, had the wrong assignment, and left everybody else out to dry and has made the other defensemen look stupid. The other Edmonton Oilers look stupid. Left his goaltender out to dry. And this is supposed to be him and Philip Broberg, the defensemen of the future. For me. Hope not. <laughs> not, not, not. Not saying that I hope not. I hope not in the current form. Because there's nothing to sit there and go, okay, this is, this is a good, solid NHL defenseman right now. And you know what? That's, I think that's not fair to say either, because I think he is a solid NHL defenseman. But he should be a step above 
right now. And he's not. He has had no maturity. He, sometimes he, he has made the dumbest decisions ever with the puck. <laughs> I genuinely wrote down in my notes watching that game against the Tampa Bay Lightning going, I have made and seen better plays made out of my ball hockey team. We're Div 9-10. Not very good. Evan Bouchard's supposed to take over the power play quarterbacking role from Tyson Berry. I don't see it happening anytime soon. So what needs to happen? What does need to happen? What type of wake-up call can you give Evan Bouchard? You let me know. Because I, I genuinely don't know. I just see an issue... I need you to solve it for me. Uh, either way, uh, again, need to see more from Bouchard. Early in the season, of course, still. But not the start to the season that we were hoping for, Bouch. Uh, let's get into the good, the bad, and the ugly from the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Save Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify a threat is real. So you can get priority police dispatch. 24-7 uh, monitor, professional monitoring service costs less than $1 a day, which is less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. Plus, with, eight, with the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlock for a guest. Access your cameras or just adjust your system settings. You can do it all with your Simply Safe app. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off. I almost said 20. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That is simplysafe.com slash LockedOnNHL. There is no safe like Simply Safe. Alrighty, as I reach over oh, for my notes for the good, the bad, and the ugly from the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, we're going to start off with the good. The good that was the bad from the game before and potentially could have been the ugly too. The Edmonton Oilers flipped the script. The good against the Tampa Bay Lightning was the penalty kill. Oh my goodness. Thank goodness. Five for five on the penalty kill for the Edmonton Oilers against the Washington, or almost said Washington Capitals. I wish. 
Five for five against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Against the Tampa Bay Lightning power play, that is lethal. And the Edmonton Oilers got off with five, went five for five, scored two goals on the power play as well, and just see what happens. The Edmonton Oilers win. That's been the difference. Now it'll be nice to kind of ride the wave. Don't, <laughs> I'm not saying take to your penalties. Don't take your penalties, but when you do, make sure you kill it off, or at least try and kill some sort of momentum. The Edmonton Oilers did that against the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, almost at Washington again. It's been too fresh. You, you can't give me a couple day, games in a couple days. I hate it. But, uh, yes, that good for the Edmonton Oilers, that penalty kill. Keep the wave rolling. Uh, the bad, and uh, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here, but uh, the bad from that game against the Tampa Bay Lightning was the officiating. Oh, wow, Brett's complaining about officiating. Shocking. I'm not going to stop doing it until we stop getting bad officials. Tyson Berry could have broke his femur against the Washington Capitol. Oh, my goodness. See, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. A, a, an awful late call on the icing call. And, yes, maybe the player was getting closer to killing off or, or beating that icing. Sometimes you just got to read the situation and realize that, hey, if I make them stop really quick, or let them keep playing really quick, maybe I'm going to see an injury. And down went Tyson Berry. And then in the third period, late in the third period, the exact same play, Derek Ryan beats out the defenseman. Oh, guess what? That's icing. Sorry. You have players running into Campbell, nothing. You call Tyson Berry on interference or delay a game or whatever the heck you're calling, taking the helmet off of a player when the player's head is upside down. Ooh, and again, I'm not a very big science guy, not Bill Nye, but I know when somebody's head is down and gravity goes this way in a helmet that is already not very secure, gets a little bit pushed off, it's going to come off the head. Where's the penalty in that? It's after the play, after the fact that he, Corey Perry, just sticked the Edmonton Oilers goaltender but no, let's call Tyson Berry, who, who, who really did nothing on the play. Warren Fogle gets a hit from behind, no call. And then immediately after, uh, Kyler Yamamoto gets a call for hitting from behind or whatever they called there in a retaliation call. Derek Ryan gets called on the softest slash I've ever seen. You replay it, they're holding hands. Nikita Kucherov could have taken Derek Ryan on a nice sunset-lit dinner on the beach, and still it shouldn't have been called slashing. But yet, here we are. With the fingerprints of the officials all over the place. Nine power plays for both teams in that game. 
Five for the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, four for the Edmonton Oilers, and surprisingly enough, the power plays for the Edmonton Oilers were the difference in the game. Two power play goals for the Oilers, none for the Tampa Bay Lightning, in a game where you shouldn't have been doing so. And <sighs> a sensitive situation, I understand. And I don't want to put the situation on the rest because they did a fantastic job with the Evander Kane situation, blowing it down and getting him the help that he, they, that he needed. But immediately before that, there was an incident. I don't remember what it was, but against the Edmonton Oilers and then again against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Something happened for both teams on the other end. And if you just would have called a penalty there, you A, would have set the tone, and B, you never would have gotten that situation. It was a slew foot on Evander Kane. If you go back and watch it, Felipe Myers, Philip Myers, I don't know how he says it, slew footed Evander Kane. Something that I think isn't getting enough attention right now. He slew footed him. He ends up on the ice in a vulnerable situation and he gets stepped on by one of the biggest dudes in the NHL. The official's pride has been taking precedent over the safety of the NHL players for way too long. It's gotten to the point where I'm, I know so many people, including my father, who don't even watch the game anymore. They record it and skip through it just to see the, the main parts of the game because the officials have so many fingerprints on the game. A friend of mine, after the, the Derek Ryan call, they put in the group chat going, oh, wow, you know what I really missed? The re referee's face. Haven't seen it in a while. Those are the type of jokes you're getting. It's sad because it's not hockey. That's why. That's why I, I, I will consistently get on my soapbox and say that the officiating needs a change. Because it's not hockey anymore. You don't have the, the little subtleties in the game. And players are getting injured because of pride. It's sad. Um, and the ugly, uh, obviously, from that game, uh, the Kane injury... Um, we we kind of went over it a little bit there, a little bit of a slew foot. Um, don't want to put it on that right now either. A difficult situation is Kane has, as mentioned, gone to the hospital, is in stable condition. Uh, I assume will well he will get stitches because he is getting surgery, um, which does scare me a little. Um, considering if you are getting surgery, that that means there's something going on inside internally. Uh, with that much blood, the assumption is probably nicked artery. So, uh, a difficult situation and, and one that really makes me upset as well because you see the people, and yes, Evander Kane isn't a popular player around the NHL sphere, but once you start seeing people praying for an injury and, and celebrating an injury, you need a reality check. I know that Evander Kane has his stuff off the ice, and this is something, this is a podcast about on the ice stuff. 
So we, we tend to stay away from that. But Evander Kane has two daughters who one day will have to watch that clip. It, one of them is old enough to relatively comprehend what's happening. And you sit there behind your keyboard and say, oh, thank goodness he got injured? You're a coward. That's what you are. All the best to Evander Kane in a very difficult situation. All the best to his family in that situation, as uh, it is a scary, scary situation, an ugly situation there. Really praying for the best uh, for uh, Evander Kane, because that could really be, again, if that's artery. It, luckily, we have gotten the update that he is in stable condition. He will be okay, but... The image can't get out of uh, many people's heads. So, uh, all the best to Evander Kane. An ugly situation, but uh, all the best to you. Safe recovery. Um, but once again, just a quick recap from the good, the bad, and the ugly. A rather lengthy good, bad, and ugly than we normally have. But the good, the penalty kill for the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, rejoice. Uh, the bad for the uh, Edmonton Oilers game is really the officiating. And the ugly is the cane injury. Let's wrap it up there as the Edmonton Oilers have an off day as they head to Carolina for the rematch of not only a game from earlier this year, potentially a game of the year is a very good game, but a rematch of the 2006 Stanley Cup final in Carolina. Let me know if you ever heard of that before. Uh, we will wrap it up there. Thank you so much for making Locked On Oilers your first listen today. Now for your second listen, make sure you tune in to Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you find your podcast. Let's wrap it up there as mentioned a massive win for the Edmonton Oilers against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they are back in action on Thursday in Carolina against those pesky Hurricanes. All the best. I shall talk to you later. Stay safe. And thankfully, after that Tampa Bay game, we can all play La Bamba, baby.